Welcome to the Occult London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to this on, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them, so please reach out via Facebook or an email as I'd love to answer your questions, you can find my Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. In today's episode, we are continuing our discussion on uh, planetary magic and we will be discussing the planet Mercury which is one of the smaller planets in our solar system and rules Wednesday, the power of the mind and the ability to really communicate and perceive and also use words and how we use them and all of that stuff. From a Kabbalistic point of view, the planet Mercury corresponds with the Sephira Hod, which, similar to the planet, is a sephira of communication change and also impulsivity and from an elemental perspective the planet is ruled by the element of water as we know water is an element that is constantly changing and flitting from one thing to another and water is also an element that connects things and also communication in the form of thoughts and words obviously pass between different people and all about these relationships that connect each person. So it's this idea of water, it's connecting knowledge, connecting communication between us. The idea of water flowing is also interesting if we remember that at room temperature, mercury metal or quicksilver is a liquid and can't be held or grasped or tied down. It's highly adaptive and it amalgamates or joins with almost anything else that comes across. From a star sign point of view, Mercury rules two signs, Gemini and Virgo. Gemini is obviously an air sign, so it's communication, learning and expression, and Virgo is an earth sign, but also has many other mercurial qualities. From a Kabbalistic point of view, the archangel that is attributed to this planet is either Raphael or Mikael, depending on what system you use if you follow the golden dawn system they would often put mikael in this particular uh, planet but either one works well from my experience the angelic order is the beni elohim the god name is elohim sabayot the planetary spirit is taf tarath the planetary intelligence is tyriel and the order of demons is sifters triers or accusers inquisitors the yearly period of mercury is approximately august the 24th to the october the 24th and it's the fourth 50 day, 52 day period from the vernal equinox and just to explain what i mean by the yearly period basically in traditional astrology from that point of view they used to divide the year up into seven sections so obviously 365 days divided by um the seven planets and each section would be attributed to a different planet the planetary sphere is described by cornelius agrippa as follows and i just wanted to quote 
from Mercury, a piercing faith and belief, clear reasoning, the vigour of interpreting and pronouncing gravity of speech, acuteness of will, discourse of reason and the swift motion of the sincere. And that's from Agrippa, um, his book two. And that's when he's describing one of the Khmer's or magical squares of Mercury. The astrologer William Lilly also described Mercury as follows. He is called Hermes, stillborn, Silenius, Arcas. Mercury is the least of all the planets, never distant from the sun above 27 degrees, by which seldom he is seen visible to our sight. And that's William Lilly. And stillborn means gleaming one, so it's to do with how the planet sort of gleams. There's also an interesting description of this planet from the Picatrix on the properties of Mercury, which goes as follows, and I just wanted to quote. Mercury is changeable, permuting himself from one nature to another, and receives the nature of the other planets. That is, he is benefic with benefic planets, and malefic with malefic ones. He signifies perception and the rational intellect, fine eloquence, powerful and profound understanding of things, good intelligence, good memory, good perception and an agile mind apt to learn sciences. Those who labour in science and philosophy, understanding how things will happen, arithmeticians, geometers, astrologers, geomancers, magicians, augurs, scribes, grammarians and smooth talkers, ready understanding of the petitions of the wise, those who labour in sciences and who desire to be exalted by those same sciences, those who want to make books, verses and rhymes, those who write books, calculations and sciences, those who want to know the secrets of wisdom, expounders of philosophy, merciful and gentle people, and those who love sensation and pleasure, those who waste and destroy their wealth, merchandise, those who buy and sell things, having a part in the judgments and reasonings of people, the astute and deceptive, those who contemplate wickedness in their minds and keep these thoughts hidden, liars and makers of false instruments, fearful of enemies, swift in all works, flitting from the things of one profession to those of another, busying himself in everything, daring in all works that can be done by subtlety and desiring to do great things. Those who become rich, supporters of their friends and the people who mislead them to illicit ends. And that's a quote describing some of the properties of Mercury from the kind of really traditional hermetic viewpoint, um, which is from the Picatrix. From a physical point of view, Mercury is the smallest and innermost planet in our solar system, and its orbit around the Sun takes approximately 87.9 Earth days, so it's actually the fastest in the solar system. The planet is named after the god Hermes, which is Latin for Mercurius, or god of commerce, messenger of the gods and also the mediator between the, the gods and the mortals. In ancient times Mercury was also thought to have been two different objects in the sky, 
So they had the morning star that was known as Apollo in the morning and the evening star, which was known as Hermes. And it was also known as the jumping planet, which fits really well with this aspect of Mercury as being this god of communication because it's moving really quickly and it is, yeah, constantly on the move, constantly changing. One of the earliest known recording observations of Mercury is in the Mull Alpin tablets, and it's believed that these observations were made by an ancient Assyrian astronomer around 14th century BC. And the name that he used in that in that tablet was the jumping planet. Some Babylonian records also dating back to the first millennium BC um, called the planet Nabu after the messenger to the gods in their mythology. And ancient Greeks also called the planet Mercury Hermes, while the Romans named it Mercury and it remained as such until quite recently. Since Mercury can be seen without the need for a telescope, many ancient civilizations have obviously seen the planet and has had a very big impact on humanity over the years. And because of that, there's not really any kind of first person who's ever seen the planet because obviously our ancestors may have seen it, you know, years and years ago. Um, however, it was first apparently observed with the help of a telescope in the 17th century by Galileo. From a physical point of view, Mercury shares some characteristics with the moon. However, whilst the moon really rules that emotional state, that flux and reflux, and if you want to listen to the previous episode we just did on the moon, then definitely listen to that if you want to find out more. But um, yeah, Mercury is much more seen as being in charge of the mental aspects. So both of these planets are very fast moving. And as obviously the moon is technically a, a satellite of Earth, Mercury is the fastest planet, which is obviously kind of appropriate given its connections with gods of communication and speed and intellect. It's the speed of thought, the speed of thinking. Mercury really represents thoughts and how fast it shows how quickly we can change our minds and how we can you know, really travel on that journey fast so you can think of something quickly and you're there in your mind that's how fast it, it works it doesn't have much of an atmosphere um, on the actual planet itself and it's not covered in gases or water vapor so if you did actually apparently stand on the surface of the planet you would be able to see across the whole thing because it's completely clear and again that links in with this idea of it being this kind of clear thinking clear intellect clear communication and um yeah from a magic and, and mythology mythological point of view you know the gods and goddesses of mercury would typically include you know any deities that rule communication or travel or guides between the worlds so you have this word called psychopomp which is someone who kind of travels in between the world of the living and the dead and the gods and goddesses of this particular sphere often have quite an androgynous feel to them, so they're neither male nor female. They're often um, often depicted as being a hermaphrodite. They're often also um, the gods that would help humans with learning, with studying, with communication, with business, with commerce, and all of that type of stuff. Um, one of the examples of this is the Greek god Hermes, and he had lots of different titles. He was known as Exalted Herald, Divine Messenger, Hermes of the Cloak of Night, uh, 
psychopompous. And this is where the word hermetic actually is thought to come from. Hermes is the Greek god of trade, of luck, of fertility, of sleep, languages, thieves and travel. And there's lots of different stories about him. Um, He's one of the most cleverest and mischievous of the Olympian gods. And he's meant to have been the patron of shepherds, invented the lyre, which is like a small kind of harp, and is also the herald and messenger of Mount Olympus. So he comes to symbolise this crossing of boundaries, crossing of worlds in his role between these two realms of the gods and humanity. To the Romans, um, Hermes was known as Mercury or Mercurius. Mercurius is an interesting god. He's also got various different titles, including guide of heroes, guide of souls, keeper of the roads, guide of dreams, guardian of flocks. And he's really this Roman version of Hermes, how he's often portrayed as being a, a very young, swiftly moving man. As I said, he is the Roman god of commerce, so he often serves as a mediator between the gods and mortals, so very similar to Hermes. He's meant to have winged feet, which give him this advantage of speed, and he's also meant to be the kind of patron of really sort of circulation of goods and money in general, so people, goods, and messages. He is also meant to protect merchants, particularly those who deal in grain and travellers, and also merchants and businessmen would pray to Mercurius um, to enable to him to, for him to give them help with bringing profit to their business and all to protect their trade goods. He was also known, similar, similar to Hermes, as being very shrewd and cunning uh, and also a deceiver, so he would often pull pranks on unsuspecting people um, and gods as well. So there's various different stories about him pulling pranks on Apollo and he was also the son of the king of the gods, Jupiter, and apparently Maya as well, who's the goddess of the plains, who was considered to be uh, of foreign origin. Another goddess I wanted to talk about in relation to Mercury is the goddess Seishat, who's an Egyptian goddess. And not a lot of, not a lot of people talk about Seishat, but she's really interesting from the point of view of Mercury. And she's got various different titles. She's known as Lady of Sevenfold Power, Consort of Tahuti. Tahuti is obviously the god Thoth. Uh, Daughter of Heaven, Consort of Tahuti, Great Archivist and Keeper of the Book of Life. Seishat was an Egyptian goddess of the written word and her name means female scribed, scribe. And she's usually depicted as a woman. Um, she's wearing a leopard skin draped over her robe and she wears a headdress which has seven pointed stars arched in the form of a crescent or a bow on the, on top of the headdress. And she's meant to have been very, very important um, from the Egyptian point of view, particularly with regards to sort of legends and mythology um, because... She would. She obviously the skin was meant to represent the the skin of a defeated enemy, and the stars are closely represented with this realm of the gods and their actions. And obviously, the number seven symbolizes perfection and completeness as well. And 
Yeah, I, I'm, in terms of her responsibility, she was very much involved with record keeping, accounting, measurements, um, census taking. She's also in charge of archives and libraries. And in today's society, obviously, that would link in with you know things like databases, um, you know, computer um, archives, that kind kind of thing. She was also known as being the keeper of the House of Life, which is a another name for the temple. Um, or a library or a scriptorium and also the celestial librarian so she's very much this very strong mercury hard goddess that you can kind of work with if you want to try and build that relationship she was also involved very much with building and construction and also a friend of the dead in the afterlife and she's sometimes depicted as being the consort or the wife or daughter of thoth who is the god of wisdom and writing and also magic as well. The ancient Egyptians had very interesting views on how, how you know the transition between the earth and the heavens and they've, they had a very strong belief in what we do on the earth will have an impact um, when we cross over into the realm of the gods. So the daily life of each individual in ancient Egypt would have been very much focused on um, you know, preparing yourself for that final transition and, and also obviously awareness in what you were doing and, you know, right thinking, right w- ways of behaving, right ways of communication. And if you look at the questions of the 42 assessors, that's very much um, relevant from that point of view. And Seishat is quite featured quite prominently in that concept of eternal life because obviously she is kind of head of the scribes really who who will write down every action that a human being does on this earth and often in ancient Egypt when an author created a story or there was inscriptions um, it was believed that that would actually be transferred directly to Seishat who would then place that in the the library of the gods so it's almost like a kind of backup um, database, everything you do, there's automatically a copy sent off to Seishat, who's going to then probably question you about that when you uh, end up in the halls of judgment in front of Osiris. So yeah, be careful what you write down. Um, other things to do with Seishat, she was, she's sometimes depicted helping Neptis. Neptis is obviously the, she's seen as like the dark, kind of really that sort of darker aspect of Isis. Uh, or the sister of Isis, um, goddess of the dead, and Seishat is meant to assist Neptis in terms of reviving the deceased in the afterlife in preparation for their judgment by Osiris in the halls of truth. And in that role, Seishat is also responsible for helping new arrivals to uh, remember and recite the spells from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which then enables the soul to move onwards towards paradise. Other gods that would be associated with Mercury would be Odin, um, obviously Loki as well in the Norse mythology. Loki is the kind of tricks the god who kills his brother Baldur, which is very much representative of the sun god. And and obviously also, you know, gods like Merlin, um, from you know the Arthurian tradition would very much fit within this realm as being this kind of messenger between the worlds, uh, keeper of wisdom, keeper of magic, 
and and all of that stuff. Um, Mercury retrograde is something I just wanted to quickly touch on um, because yeah, this is something that people talk about quite a bit in terms of Mercury um, because Mercury is the fastest planet. It technically occurs every three weeks or so and a lot of people are quite afraid of mercury retrograde um, basically it's a time when one planet is passing another and it looks like one of them is basically going backwards in its orbit um, in actual fact that's not it not actually correct because um, it's actually like an optical illusion um, however in astrology, in kind of hermetic thinking, in magical thinking, um, how things appear are often more important than the actual material facts. So the air, the energy of the planet that is looking like it's going backwards um, it is what's kind of important from that point of view. All of the planets do go retrograde except the sun, the moon and the earth from the point of view of us on earth. So if we look up into the sky we would be able to see Mercury doing that. And there's lots of people that talk about that in terms of a negative thing. And it's true, it can have some effects on um, certain aspects, particularly things like communication or um, technology. So if you work in IT or anything like that, you often will find that when Mercury is in retrograde, it will start to, you will notice that there is there can be some issues in kind of IT, communication, technology, um, sometimes finances as well so it's often quite a good time to not sort of start anything new but kind of keep things quite balanced and and stable um, from that point of view but if you do use that time to focus inwardly you know focus on your meditation focus on on that you know inner development learning um, that type of stuff it's always good there's lots of different ways you can work with the energy of mercury from a, a magical perspective as well obviously the planetary day of mercury is a Wednesday so a good place to start is to perform or honor the planets on a Wednesday and build this up and you can do this using uh, the Orphic hymns or there are various different prayers in say for instance the Higromantia they have like daily prayers to the planets which are quite nice or you can simply just invent your own uh, and it can be a very simple process of just simply lighting a candle and saying a prayer to the planet and if you do that each day to each of the planets, it will start to enable you to kind of start building up a relationship with that particular energy. If you can actually see the planets or if it's you know visible in the sky, that's even better um, because that will just give you that, that peace of mind. Um, it's also worth using the planetary hours as well. And there's lots of different books and I'll post uh, some suggestions in the show notes. But if you can do the ad an adoration to the planet during the relevant planetary hour of the planetary day, then that's all the better for kind of establishing um, that communication. From the point of view of um, working with it, um, Samuel Little McGregor Mathers, who wrote the way well, translated the Great Greater Key of Solomon, um, also founded the Golden Dawn, um, said the following: "The days and hours of Mercury are good to operate for eloquence and intelligence." promptitude in business, science and divination, wonders, apparitions and answers regarding the future. Thou canst also operate under this planet for thefts, writings, deceit and merchandise. 
And the Picatrix also mentions this way of praying to Mercury. I quote, When you wish to pray to Mercury, when you wish to pray to Mercury, and you wish to ask for things appropriate to him, which are petitions to scribes and kings, and regarding rulership, dress as if you were a notary or scribe, the moon conjoining Mercury, and in every way act as if you were a scribe, and wear a ring of Mercury, mortified, that is, a ring with an image of Hermes for the work, and sit on a throne similar to the throne of a judge, and turn your face towards it, in your hand with a book or paper, looking like you wish to write, and have incense appropriate to Mercury, and place the suffumigation in the fire, and as the fumes rise, say the invocation. So it's, it's quite interesting that it's talking about, you know, you obviously the colours, the correspondences of Mercury, but also, you know, dressing up as if you were a scribe. So we're taking on that role of the scribe, of Thoth, of Seishat, and actually that's a way of bringing that power through. Um, as I mentioned, the Higramantia has, has quite an interesting um, prayer of Wednesday as well, which is dedicated to Mercury, which I just wanted to read as well, because this is a really good, a nice way of working with these particular planets. And a quote. In the name of the omnibenevolent God, Amen. O Lord, who dwells on high and beholds the humble, who guides the reins and the hearts, the Lord of spirits, the King of heaven and earth, grant your grace to me, O sinner. O Lord, in order to subdue the powers of the planet Mercury, O Mercury, the most skilled in logical arguments, the effective and most excellent in wisdom, and in every science, who divides and distributes the arts and craft of each person, the experienced and skilled soldier, since without you all things mobile or immobile cannot be known. O Mercury, creator, philosopher and greatest among orators, who rules over minds, I conjure you by God who created you and placed you in the heavens. I conjure you by your heaven, by your sphere, by the treasure and by the secret wisdom of God, by his strong and immeasurable hand and by the myriads of angels, do not disobey me. And then there goes on to talk through some, some of the specific names. I won't do that bit. But as I said, that's a um, that's the prayer of Wednesday from the Higromantius. It's worth these are quite good ways of actually kind of working with that planetary energy and kind of building up these these relationships. Um, as I said, planetary workings don't need to be massively complex. Uh, can be as simple as lighting an orange candle, which is the colour of Mercury, and you can read the relevant Orphic hymn or the prayer of the Higromantia planetary players. A simple technique that works very effectively um, is also where you can obviously you know, create a specific talisman and you can actually draw some of the specific um, seals on it. And then you would actually essentially sort of hold it over a can, hold it over some incense dedicated to Mercury whilst reciting a specific prayer, which could be like the Orphic hymn, or it could be um, you know, something you've written yourself to that uh, specific planet and there's lots of different lists of um, different incenses and things like that that you can you can use 
for Mercury. Um, sandalwoods and myrrh and frankincense are generally like a an all-rounder, so you can use those for pretty much everything. But there's also a lot more specific incenses that work quite well with this particular energy. If you're inclined to work cabalistically and if you're really into the tree of life, you can also bring in other elements such as the Archangel of the Sphere, which is um, obviously Raphael or Mikhail, depending on what system you use, or the planetary intelligence. And and also, obviously, you can use things like crystals and herbs as well. So, you, you know, one of the techniques you can do as well is to start building up a whole, you know, the, the stone relevant to the, to the planet Mercury, incense relevant to it, the colour, candle put them all together and then you can start working that way um just to finish i mean the important thing that mercury teaches us is it's this importance of adaptability and learning and development and in order to grow as human beings we really need to be constantly developing our minds learning new things and also creating things as well so you know write down a list of things that you want to do and you know, use your imagination and then actually start trying to bring them into manifestation. Mercury is the sphere that teaches us to move fast and break things in the terminology of the Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. And, you know, it's like, go on, just go for it. Go for this idea. Move fast. Let's try and do it. And let's see how it goes. And maybe we'll need to do a, more, a newer iteration as, as we learn. But you kind of learn on the job with Mercury. It's very much move fast and we'll learn and we'll adapt and if it doesn't work we'll just keep on adapting and this is something that the great magician William Gray talks about and I just wanted to quote from him Mercury is the symbol of adaptability and the very first thing a living creature learns is the hardest rule of all adapt or die we start adapting ourselves from the moment of our conception and if we lose this ability, we lose our lives with it. Without the constant use of mercurial qualities, we have little hope of survival in a world like our present one. And that's a quote from William Gray from his book Ladder of Lights, which is highly, highly recommended. To finish, I wanted to read a poem by um, the poet Francis Thompson, who lived from... 1859 to 1907 and he was a, an English poet and also a strong Catholic and also a mystic and this is a poem called Hermes. Sooth say, behold, with thy rod twy serpented, Hermes the prophet twining in one power, the woman with the man upon his head, the cloudy cap wherewith he hath in dower the cloud's own virtue change and counterchange to show in light and to withdraw in pall as mortal eyes best bear his lineage strange from zeus truth sire and maiden may the all elusive nature his fledged feet declare that tis the nether self transdeified, and the thrice furnished passions which do bear the poet Olympus would in him allied, both parents clasp, and from the womb of nature, stern truth takes flesh 
in shows of lovely feature. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Occult London podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. Thanks. Bye-bye.